Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 4. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Saturday, December 11, 2022. No, 2021. Oh my gosh. <laughs> One more time. Here we go. Welcome. Okay, you can do this. <laughs> I just Sorry. I have not done an episode for my show since in three September. <laughs> I'll count you down. Okay. All right, I'll count you down. Ready? In three, two. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Saturday, December 11, 2021. Today, I have the most amazing guest on the line. She's going to drop tons of golden seeds already in our pre-chat. I've learned a ton from her. Um, from Sun Sugar Farms in Northern Kentucky, here to grace us today is Linda Fritz. So welcome to the show, Linda. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jackie. How are you oh, today? I am awesome. So tell listeners well i'm going to tell listeners just a quick little story i found linda because i was okay. in the market gardening success group i think and somebody had posted they were looking for some of linda has these awesome um food packaging things and the person was looking for someone to share an order with them and they were talking about how wonderful they were mm -hmm. and as soon as i looked them up i was like oh my goodness i have to connect with this woman and have her come on the show and tell us about <laughs> these are because we all hate buying food in clamshells we all hate having that extra plastic i know you do and so here is a solution and so even um you can encourage your market gardeners tell them about it share this website and we are all going to learn so much from her so linda i am going to be i'm literally going to mute my mic so i can't say another word and go ahead and tell us more about it's you fine. So when I moved to Kentucky, I started growing edamame because I didn't really like vegetables and it led to a whole new world of products <laughs> in terms of, you know, replacing grocery bags with collapsible crates. And then I also started growing sun sugar cherry tomatoes and that led to creating a produce box that was a replacement for plastic clamshells. Um, prior to that, I was uh, an engineer um, right out of college, and then I also started my own marketing company when I stayed home with my child. So now it's kind of come full circle because when I was growing up, I hated the garden. <laughs> I hated working in the garden, and now everything I do is, uh, is about the garden and about getting good food to people and doing it in a way that uh, honors the earth and uh, keeps it keeps it well okay well my listeners know what's coming so are you a rock star millennial born between 1980 and 1995 <laughs> no actually i was born in 1961 so i am way i have a millennial yeah you're older <laughs> so, than i am uh yeah i'm old i'm old well i have <laughs> But I tell you, people, people don't think I am, but I think that's because I love being outside and I love, you know, um, I don't love vegetables. I hate vegetables, but I love these ones that I've found and they've actually grown my appreciation for <laughs> eating vegetables. And I think that really helps people 
um, to try to focus on the things that make you feel better, even though they're not the, like, I would love to just, I would, I could sit down and eat a box of donuts, no problem, <laughs> you know, but is that good for you? And does that, is that good for your body? And it's not. And, you know, a lot of the food, you know, the vegetables that we have eaten in the past don't taste that good, but when you grow your own, um, you know, you get a chance to really taste what they should taste like and they do taste good. So yeah. I said it. That's so true. Vegetables are good. Uh, I'm so baffled because like I like I'm sure I'm part rabbit. Like I love vegetables. My one that I struggle with is getting myself to eat fruit. And it's not that I don't like the taste of fruit. Oh. It's just I feel like fruit is so messy. Sweet. No, I just feel like you buy a pear yes. and the juice is dribbling down your chin and like right. oranges <laughs> you try to peel them and like if you're at work and you're a teacher yeah. in the classroom and you're trying to like do stuff while you're eating right and then what's the other one um just I don't know you know berries are super expensive like those would be my preferred strawberries right. I love although I struggle to grow them I'm really yeah. struggling to grow fruit like I've been trying to grow blueberries for two yes. years now totally unsuccessful strawberries <laughs> I mean, I got all these strawberry starts from this woman last year and none of them made it. The only thing we've been lucky with Aww. is raspberries. Anyway, I want to ask about your very okay. first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with and what did you grow? <laughs> were you heated in the garden? So, which I did too. I was just saying, my mom still was like, how do you have a garden <laughs> podcast? But yeah yeah so um yeah when we were growing up in Pennsylvania in the country um, my dad was big into being prepared for anything and you know growing his own food and being the oldest of four kids the a lot of the responsibility for weeding and planting and harvesting fell on me <laughs> and I hated it and so we used to my sister and I used to push the big squash over the bank hoping he wouldn't see it and just think that maybe some wild pigs ate it <laughs> you know? and then he'd find it and he'd be like we're gonna eat that tonight girls and you'd be like no so that was my first experience gardening was trying to hide the big squash because they were gross um <laughs> so but I do remember like tomatoes actually tasted really good growing up and as I became an adult and had a child and you know, you'd eat a tomato from the grocery and it was gross or a salad at a, even a restaurant. It just didn't taste that good. And I thought, well, I could grow a tomato plant, you know, and um, that's how I kind of got started <laughs> when I got older. Um, so, but that was my first experience was not very happy about working in the garden. Tomatoes, the gateway so. drug, right? Or the gateway garden, <laughs> what do you call it? Gateway fruit. Fruit, yeah, right? because to tomatoes are a fruit if you could count those as a fruit and the thing I, I I love about the sun sugar variety that I grow and I actually sell it to Kroger here in the Cincinnati area is that it's it's sweet it's almost like a um like sweet like a grape and not like a grape tomato but like a a grape itself and yet there's it just feels like you're eating sunshine and so if there's people out there looking for a variety to grow I would highly recommend trying the sun sugars because you really won't find them in grocery stores unless the grocery store is using somebody local because you can't ship these very far. The skins are kind of soft. They're, they're, you know, they're not as um, tough, but not tough, but they don't break 
they break easily. So it's easy to chew them, easy to eat them. It's not like breaking into a tomato and then, you know, there's juice squirting all over the place because you just pop the whole thing in your mouth. They're very good. So, and I can tell you where the best places are to get the seeds too, because <laughs> I've tried different seed companies. So, do you want to? I know my. Or do you want that kind of? Do you yeah, want that kind of information? Ask me repeatedly where's the best place to get seeds, and you see that question all the time in like Facebook groups and different things. Okay. Okay. Well, in my case, I'm growing a thousand tomato plants on average each I, season. I do want to ask, and like, how so, big is your place? Like, I didn't want to interrupt, but I oh, was not very big at all. That yeah yeah i know to make it easier to edit um yeah so i grow i grow probably a thousand uh, pounds of edamame and i grow a thousand tomato plants on basically uh, an acre of land so that's all okay and where's the best place to get these seeds so the seed company that I've had the best luck with is HPS. Um, I forget what they stand for, but HPS oh, seeds. Oh, I haven't heard of them. Uh, because they ship it, HPS seeds. Um, they ship in a like a foil envelope. And I think it keeps them um, fresher longer if you don't plant them all in the first season. Yeah, hpsseed.com. And... You can buy, you know, different quantities, but um, in other years when I've gotten other seeds, some of the seeds turned out to not be sun sugars. Uh, the sun sugar is a hybrid, and if it's not, and so you can't, you know, use the seeds. You have to buy new seeds from the companies that actually do create the hybrids or create the plants. Or, sorry, create the plants that give you the seeds. So if they don't do it right, then you're not going to get sun sugars. So HPSC has been the most reliable in terms of Do you of know the where seed. they're located? Um, I believe in the Midwest somewhere. Um, because there's a lot of seed companies, but um, if you want to hang on, my internet's being really super slow. <laughs> super slow lately too like i wonder if it's because of this 5g thing going up like my phone is super slow it's been like i don't know if it's my phone is kind of old yeah. 2018 yeah. the whopping three years I would, old yeah my, i gosh i had a six up until a couple months ago <laughs> an iphone six up until like october um yeah i would highly suggest getting a phone before you can't get phones <laughs> you know, because of supply chain uh, issues if, if you were at that point because that's what i finally broke down and did because i was like you know when this thing breaks or totally breaks you know i'm not probably not going to be able to just run out and get a phone uh, good point if things keep going the way they're going that's a little offside thing <laughs> about no, supply we've been talking about that issues. kind of stuff a lot lately yeah yeah you just have to get what you can my husband's you know. still using his iphone 6 from 2016 and i keep thinking his yeah is gonna go out and mine's mind. gonna go out the same mine went out in 2018 and, and i had to you. replace it and so i just bought like the cheapest one i could get which was an se which i love my se because it's small i feel like for a woman for me right it's in my pocket it's easy to carry yeah. it's 
I did. I, I right. like my six, but I prefer the smaller one. But I don't know what we're gonna do if okay. either of these, because I use my phone all the time. I've been trying to get my husband to go yeah. to the iPad, yeah. but he just is kind of he likes his phone, so whatever that works. <laughs> anyway, I could talk about Apple all day. Yeah. Let's get back to tomatoes. So let's see what's yeah. the next question. Okay, what was about something that grew well this year? Um, let's see. Okay, back. Sorry. Um, I was still waiting for HBSC to pull. Oh, up. okay. Um, <laughs> something that grew well this year, I would have to say weeds. Um, so awesome. uh, the first person that said that. I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I had um. It seems like every year some major major thing happens to interfere with my my weed strategy, and uh, this year um, one of my husband's relatives moved in with us because of the job issues and pandemic and all that, and so I was busy getting the basement ready, and I didn't get a chance to really focus on the pumpkin patch that I made, <laughs> and so. It was just a giant weed patch. That part of the garden was a giant weed patch. And usually I put um, pumpkins and sunflowers together. And so I had these nice sunflowers. They grew, they grew tall. But then I never checked on the pumpkins. I never went out there. I'm like, that's not my main crop. I don't care. But not only did the weeds grow really well in the pumpkin slash sunflower patch, um, instead of great big pumpkins, I got all these tiny baby pumpkins, these really cute little baby pumpkins because the pumpkin plants were so shut out by the weeds and the sunflowers that they couldn't, they couldn't get very big. So that was my other interesting little crop that grew when up was, a baby uh, after pumpkin, weeds. Like, like, like it can fit, like it's the size of a tennis ball or like bigger than a softball, like a basketball, yeah. like how? Yeah, it was, a, it was about, about as, about as big as a softball. So if you want to grow baby pumpkins, my advice to you is to let the weeds go and put them in with the sunflowers. <laughs> I had bought a um, 30 pound bag of black sunflower seed, uh, not for microgreens, but for, for, you know, gardens. And so I had a lot of that and I just, you know, made a bunch of rows of sunflowers. And then the pumpkins were, you know, every other, every so often there was a hill. Uh, but then in between, that's where the the ground the weeds got out of control. So between the weeds and the sunflowers, the pumpkins just didn't get that big. I've never had a crop like that. I've always had like, you know, nice big pumpkins and give them to friends and family. But this year, I'm like, you get basically table gourds, <laughs> table pumpkins. You know, they were just really cute little pumpkins. So that's so funny because I was like, negate, so I just went to New yeah. York to visit my mom, and she had. Um, yeah. like four of those and I wanted to cook them for her and I was looking for all these recipes I never did get to make them because yeah. all the recipes I found came with mushrooms and we never bought the mushrooms so but anyway <laughs> what, mushrooms or pumpkins we never bought the mushrooms so I never cooked the pumpkins while I was there and then I got oh I see and okay. I had these two pumpkins that I had bought here and I cooked the pumpkin but I'm waiting to make because I have this delicious pumpkin um casserole it's called Chilean squash from the molly katzen's moosewood cookbook recipe that i make every year um 
And mm -hmm. so I cooked the pumpkin and hopefully I'm going to get that made today. I thought I was going to get it made yesterday and I didn't. I did make a pumpkin pie. I am always amazed because I think pumpkin like is the easiest thing to make. And I am just baffled by people that buy canned pumpkin because it's one of, and it just makes a great pumpkin. I did make a pumpkin pie and when I first got home because I was going to make it before I went to New York. So my husband had one for Thanksgiving, but I did. But anyway, um, I'm curious about your black sunflower seeds. So like I bought a giant package of edible black sunflower seeds. I am notorious mm -hmm. for planting the bird seed. I love to buy the bird seed and just plant those mm -hmm. because I think they do really yeah. well. They're super easy. They give me nice blooms. I don't worry about selling the flowers because I know if you're going to sell them, you want to do the pollenless and then pollenless. But this year, I actually bought edible ones, which means like after they grow, they're the kind that you would like get at the store. So were those the kind that you bought? Or I bought like them at like a tractor supply type huh? place. Yeah, I bought them at a tractor supply type place. Um, and they were, you know, they were what you could plant for fields. Um, obviously, birds could eat them too, but it, it's not like they said bird seed. But like, are you gonna? Um, did you harvest the sunflower you, seed? Like, what are you doing with them? Are you gonna eat them? No, I I use them purely. These were really small ones. Um, that's the type they were. They weren't the big ones. And I use them for two reasons. One, as a pollinator, as as something for the pollinators, something to attract the bees, um, because that's really important to get as many pollinators as you can to your garden. Um, and flowers always do that. And then uh, the other reason was I was trying to create uh, some sort of a, a, a fence per se, because I, I did plant the rows really close together. And it was supposed to be some sort of a fence to keep the deer from entering the garden that on that side. <laughs> they just scaled it. It didn't work. Um, but every year I try something new to keep the deer out. <laughs> so that's why I bought a 30 pound bag of sunflowers. Oh, that's so funny. I try, I love to grow sunflowers. They're like my favorite thing to grow. I love the fact that the seeds are big. Like yeah. I would love to have enough sunflowers too. And we usually always feed the birds. And then like I, and then like you said, you know, they bring in the pollinators, they bring in the ants that eat the right. aphids. Like they're great. And my husband did plant me like this huge border um, on two sides and it was like having yeah. like these little friends waving at me when I pulled up the driveway but I struggled with the yeah. harvesting and then also yes and so you have to dry things. them it's horrible yeah. and I dried them wrong I thought yeah. putting them in a box was going to be great right. and they all molded no that will mold them. they all molded <laughs> and then um, oh my gosh the, they yeah. were just so it's terrible I, I couldn't even imagine and then I looked like yeah how do you you know process all these sunflower seeds and everything was like oh take a half a cup at a time a lot of work <laughs> like a half a cup at a time yeah, no no I have thousands no, of I, yeah <laughs> right no i i've done the same thing where i had like great big heads and you know then i made the mistake heads. of putting they it made, they weren't yeah they, heads. um and, but the seeds okay. inside, like the seeds were just tight the tiniest sunflower seeds i ever grew and I was just like, oh gosh, on top of okay. that, I'm going to like try to crack these shells off of these itty bitty seeds and the seeds are going to oh, be no. tiny. Sunflower, it's way too much work. I made the mistake of putting it on my website because I had huge heads, you know, great big ones and people and these bird companies called and like, oh, can you mail, can you ship us those? Because we can't get them out of uh, 
Nebraska anymore. The guy, our supplier quit me, quit doing it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. They all molded on the way there. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. Sunflowers are tough. They're not, they're definitely not my main crop. They're just for, like I said, the pollinators and a poor attempt to keep the deer out. In addition to the fence, I had fence and then I also had sunflowers you know, trying to create this. the sunflowers yep. right, or the leaves right through the fence. They're always trying, they love them. Mm, yeah. Really? They must be very aggressive deer then. Because <laughs> um, edamame is another deer magnet. It's kind of like crack cocaine for deer. And they will literally go through netting and fencing and under electric wire. They just love it. So scaling back on that next year and just focusing more on the tomatoes because I'm, I'm I'm ready to concede <laughs> to the deer. And you have a good market for your tomatoes it seems. How did you like can we hear that story? Like how did you get Kroger to buy your tomatoes? How did I get any Kroger? Yeah, that was definitely a blessing. Um and kind of a, a weird thing. Um because I I started growing out of mame like I said because it was finally a vegetable I found that I liked. And eight, 10 years ago, you couldn't just go into the store and buy it. Um, and so I found some seed. There's a lady in uh, North, North or South Carolina that grows it. And I bought five pounds and grew 400 pounds of edamame. And I was like, okay, what can I do with this? And so I sold it to a few markets and there were, there was like a farmer's market that was near our area. And I set up a little table there and a guy just happened to come by that loved it. And he said, you should get this into Kroger. Here's who you need to talk to. And I pursued that person. And then they found the right person to actually make the decision because <laughs> there's multiple layers of management within the Kroger company. And then when I talked to that person, I said, well, but at that point, I also had the sun sugars. And I'm like, well, you got to take the sun sugars too, because the whole reason I did this was to help kids eat healthier. And these are two things, two vegetables, well, tomatoes are fruit, um, that will really make it easy for kids to eat less junk and more good stuff. And he did. And, uh, and so it's actually, I sell way more of the tomatoes now than I do of the edamame. So um, that's really where I've been focusing is the sunshine. Edamame, but that's how I got it. It was just, yeah, just because like mostly when I see it in the store, um, it's frozen. Is it fresh? Right. Oh, yeah. If you look at the book that I drew um, that I, we were talking about earlier, uh, there's a page that has the edamame, a picture of the edamame, and it's very fuzzy uh, when it's fresh. Um, and it's more nuttier, uh, more flavorful. If you do have a garden and you want to grow edamame, I would definitely encourage you to do it because you'll be amazed at how great it tastes, but it will attract deer and rabbits and they will try to eat. <laughs> you might get away with the first year, but once they know it's there, it's like they, I don't know, they text their friends, hey, come on, there's the edamame at this girl's <laughs> land, you know, um, but it's, 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 um, it is fairly easy to grow because it's soybean, but again, it's way more expensive than soybean and way more attractive to um, the animals. <laughs> so. Oh, we've never grown that here. I love edamame. Where are you North, at? North oh, you, Montana. Oh, you're in Montana. Border. Okay. All right. So you might be too far north to actually successfully oh. grow it. 
um, because it is more of a tropical thing. I mean, it's huge in Japan and, and China, and they actually get two growing seasons out of it. Um, if you're in the South or Southeast or Southwest, you could have a really good shot at growing it. I'm probably like the farthest North because people are surprised when they find out that I grow it and you know sell well, it to live. be honest with you I'm not sure um, I want something like that we had like last year for the first year ever we had a huge problem with <laughs> um like either moles or voles or gophers or something ate all of Mike's peas yeah. his green beans he had problems last mm. year that we have never had before I'm curious all right before like well, I need to ask this question who is helping you with yeah. this acre like you're not doing this all by yourself are you <laughs> no so I have um a group of part-time uh people that sort of ebbs and flows uh depending on how what the kids are doing because I I volunteered at the school our local school a lot I run a chess club and so I've met a, and plus when my daughter was growing up um so I I've met parents and kids and and like, hey, if you need a summer job, let me know. And so, so I'll have kids that, you know, start working for me when they're 13 years old, you know, just helping plant, helping, you know, weed, lay down weed control and that sort of thing and harvest. And then they will work through, you know, high school and college and then they're off in their lives. <laughs> and then maybe their grandmas come help me or, you know, or their moms. So I have a lot of uh, part-time help this and it averages about 12 people a year that help me out planting and weeding and harvesting. And do you pay them or you trade them for food or? Oh, yes. Oh, no, no, no. No, I, I pay them pretty well. I mean, more than like started at $10 an hour when minimum was like six. And then uh, uh, people who, you know, there are like, some of the guys that move the trellises and that sort of thing they they work a lot faster so they make a little more money um no i believe in a fair wage i think that's part of the problem where our food is so cheap it comes from places where they're not really getting a fair wage um and so that's you know pretty important to me um, and when you say our food is so cheap have that. do you mean like our super processed junk food is so cheap and our healthy nutritious food is maybe mm. not as cheap because I that's what I find like it's super easy to buy mm. a box of macaroni well, and cheese as compared yeah. to a thing of blueberries totally yes I totally agree with what you're saying that you know the processed food is a lot cheaper than the fresh food um but the fresh food uh, if it was all like a lot of it comes from Mexico or you know places where mm -hmm. it's the labor they're not getting paid you know what they should be getting paid I mean there was a big deal in Florida where tomato workers wanted to get like one penny more you know and they're working to try to fill these 32 pound containers you know for a penny or something it was just ridiculous what how little they were getting you know in Florida and how hard they um, were I saw this but, crazy but, video on Facebook and the other day of like this celery harvesting video and it was just like to watch yeah. these people just constantly Con like fill the box constantly the box, all put day the box on the tractor the like right there was this giant tractor going right. through and then there were like a dozen people right. just just harvesting celery cutting the one thing off putting it right in, like 
as it was going and there was like there's no bathroom breaks there's no stopping like I think about this. no and then the other uh, crazy thing is I read this article in the New York Times about farm workers don't even have to be paid um overtime after 40 hours a week they're exempt from right. the overtime thing and they just made it work where right. after 60 hours they have to pay them overtime they yeah. have to have like a day off a week like I don't understand why are ag workers right. not considered the same as every other right. like it's just crazy these are the people that are doing the hardest work yeah. out there and then this poor dairy farmer was whining she's like but but my cows have to be milked at six in the morning well then you have a shift that works at six in the morning and you have a shift that works at six in the afternoon mm-hmm. with my thinking like i don't know i just was mm-hmm. I don't, I, anyway i'm yeah. supposed to be being quiet but it, it's <laughs> no but i mean it is um you know it is a problem because part of the processed food you know a lot of um things like wheat and corn are subsidized you know by the government and so it makes the processed foods cheaper um so that's not really a fair thing so nodding my head because um, that is a huge part there's this movie yeah. called kiss the ground and that's a huge thing that they talk about is we have yeah. to change the subsidies we have to get them to subsidize right. exactly local organic farmers like you right. instead of or these big yeah um, big big manufacturing or big big farms big um ag farms yeah and the other thing too that's very helpful that you know is is sort of coming to life and this is um actually a customer i'm heavily involved in uh creating a box for them for their strawberries is uh greenhouses um there's a guy in virginia glen mary farms and they're building a greenhouse to grow strawberries in and they're going to be using my box to put their strawberries in and i've designed the whole um, outside of the box to tell their greenhouse story, to tell their family story, to have a picture of the strawberry, you know, the strawberries on it. And um, actually the guy's daughter is an artist and she drew watercolor of, you know, Virginia Hills, the Appalachian Hills, and that's on the box. So, so this box that I created, um, even though it's not like 360 viewing, like a plastic clamshell, you know, it can tell a story for farmers so that they can sell you know not only their produce but what they're about you know and and, you know approach it from a different angle but the greenhouse the idea of having the greenhouses will allow us to have food closer to you know the the places that need it that um you know could cut down on the the shipping and you know then you don't have all the problems of being out in the field you know and all the disruptions that way and the the losses that you could have because of the weather so that's something i hope governments help encourage you know or not these big giant sprawling fields of wheat and corn that gets up to subsidized but maybe you know let's get some greenhouses in there and start growing some strawberries for montana i'm totally you know? nodding my head um <laughs> i hear that <laughs> about the boxes so when I started selling the cherry tomatoes, the sun sugars to Kroger, um, you know, a lot of farmers, they can get by with just having a, a paper board, you know, that green pulp board kind of container, and maybe they might put a red netting over it to keep things from falling out. But I couldn't do that. I had to have something with a lid where I could put a label on it that would have a barcode, you know, to be in a grocery store. And so I found the 
you know, plastic clamshell that the strawberries come in. So I would sell by the, I'd sell a quart of sun sugars because I figure I'm not just selling you a pint. If I'm going to give you plastic, you know, with these, these lovely tomatoes that I haven't put any chemicals on, you know, and I have to put them in this plastic, you know, I'm going to sell like a quart instead of a pint. And, and in the meantime, I started looking for alternatives and I literally could not find anything. And so I was at an ag show and one of the packaging companies there had a, a five pound blueberry box. And I was like, wait a second, this is kind of a little box. What if it could be smaller and have more holes in it? You know, because produce needs to breathe when it comes in hot off the, you know, hot off the field or there's temperature transit actions going into the refrigerator, but don't refrigerate your tomatoes. But anyway, so I, I mocked up a design that included um, all the elements that went into making the produce. So when you look at my box, you know, there's the sun, there's the plants, there's the rain. Um, some of the bigger boxes have stars and a moon because I plant by the moon. And um, I also <laughs> am a believer. So uh, I considered that the heavens, please God, let there be a good harvest. <laughs> um, and then it, it, my early design even had worms on the bottom because you have to have good soil. Um, and then uh, I just thought I, I, tr I probably called five different paper companies because the, the, pa the packaging company that made the blueberry box they just didn't get it. <laughs> they were like, here, what about this? And they gave me a little box and it had like a big hole on top and it looked like a hamster box. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I want these, these little vents. I mean, I think, you know, we should be able to do this. We well, can't do little tiny vents with any kind of cardboard, uh, you know, or like a corrugated cardboard, I should say, but you can with paperboard. And so then it was a search to find the paper company that could do that kind of intricate holes. And I, I actually went through two different paper companies and they produced sizes for me before they said, no, this is too hard, our production people hate us. And so now I've found, I have three different production companies, paper production companies that make the different sizes for me and they're good at it and it's great. And you know, I'm ordering hundreds of thousands because I thought when I first ordered you know, from the first company, I had to go, get 30,000, I thought, well, this will do me for the next five years <laughs> if nobody else wants some um, of this uh, pint, this low profile pint that I created. Um, but then, you know, I went, I was already at ag shows with my, my collapsible grocery shopping crates that you can also use for harvesting. And I just displayed those and people were super interested. And so I went from just having the pint to having the quart and then the half pint and then the, um, the two quart actually a, a farmer and a mushroom farmer, a mushroom grower in Kentucky contacted me and he's like, I really like your quart size, but can you make it in a two quart? And I'm like, mushrooms, really? I thought mushrooms need to be like totally wrapped. And he's like, no, they need ventilation. I'm like, okay. So I created the two quart for him and that's really taken off. And then microgreen growers were calling me because they'd find my website. I have two websites, one the Sun Sugar Farms website and then one the Sustainable Produce Container website and they would find it and they're like do you do these work for microgreens I'm like well not if they're cut and they're like well we sell live I'm like okay and um you know the different paper that I can use like one is a reversible paper it's got a higher wet strength and I'm like yeah let's try that and I 
I'd never even grown microgreens or I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> and so I had to go, I had to buy some seed and I bought some lights and I grew some. So I'd have something to take pictures in and something to do testing in. And I was like, wow, microgreens are great. <laughs> Another vegetable I love. <laughs> and I made the boxes. I actually made a three quart box that can hold three pounds of grapes, but it can also hold um, live microgreens, not grow them, but they grow on pads and then you take the pads and you slide them into the boxes. So there's the three quart that'll hold the live microgreens on the pads. And then there's also a one and a half quart that's like a tall quart. So you can take your 10 by 20 tray and divide it into six or you know six uh, pads and then slide it in. And then the way they unlock is people can you know open them up, open the side up and just cut them and put the side back up. So it's not like a, like they're former clamshells that they were using where you know you drop the pad into the clamshell and then you'd have to like squish all the plants to get it out and so um so that's what I have now is uh eight different sizes and I'm a master carton to carry them all to grocery stores if you need to and um I was just at a trade show in Michigan and had them all on display and People were, were really excited because, you know, number one, they're cute. <laughs> they are cute. I do like the cuteness about them. And number two, they can stack, you know, with clamshells, they slide around, you know, but these stack and then they can handle the temperature transitions. And then for the growers who are, you know, getting up there in the volume, they can um, uh, be able to print with just by ordering one pallet of the containers, be able to get their, put their whole farm story on there. Or if they're a smaller grower, um, there's some custom stamps that you can make that are ink, uh, ink padless, padless. So you can just stamp your information on the flat uh, container before you fold it. And then it looks like you've got this really professional box. You know, if you're looking at doing farmer's markets and, you know, having a way to look more professional in your presentation. And, uh, and they're also great for CSAs. Oh my gosh, there's a company out in California that buys pallets of the, of the half pints from me. And they, 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 all they are is a delivery, a, a produce delivery company um, in California. And they, you know, put all the berries and the tomatoes in the, in these little boxes and uh, deliver with all the other produce to uh, their customers. So it's, it's really taking off and I'm really excited to know that you know, there's that much less plastic clamshells in the landfills because, you know, if, if I can continue, um, everybody thinks, oh, well, there's a recycling symbol on the bottom of the plastic clamshell. I'm like, well, no, that's actually a resin code to help, you know, plastic um, recyclers tell what kind of plastic it is. And even though a plastic clamshell is a number one, like a, like a water bottle is a number one, a water bottle is made differently. It's made being injected molded, injection molded versus thermoformed. And when it's thermoformed, like the clamshells are, they're more, they become um, either more like brittle. They're not the same consistency as the plastic water bottle. Plus the, um, the clamshells have a very sticky adhesive on them because they're going into refrigerators and that sort of thing. And that's almost, it's really hard to get off. And so it contaminates the rest of a plastic mix when it's being recycled. And so those are two of the reasons why the clamshells, even if your recycling center says they take them, they probably throw them away 
because they have no buyers for them. Nobody wants to mess with that. Whereas a water bottle, the label comes off easy. It's, you know, a plastic that's easy to melt down and, and recreate new things out of. So that's the story of why, what, what I've done with the box to, uh, to help reduce um, plastic clamshells in the world. Oh, and I hope we see these everywhere in the future, like near soon future, because the guilt from buying the plastic is just, <laughs> and we don't even recycle in oh, yeah. Montana. Like there's no plastic recycling oh, anyway. So even if you wanted to, yeah. I mean, you couldn't do anything. Right. So and then trying to not buy things, it's, it's just so, mm -hmm. I, do, I just love this. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um so i'm not taking up your entire saturday morning and i think listeners <laughs> are gonna start looking for these hopefully they will be promoting them asking your produce um people in your grocery store i guarantee you if you go and ask them they will look into it they really will like i have asked my mm -hmm. produce people mm -hmm. and people at the grocery stores to do things for me and you know they mm -hmm. they will try to find that solution for you so yeah well it's either going to happen um it's going to happen one of two ways either it's going to be like seat belts and smoking where it becomes a law and they have to do it or it's going to be um it's going to be pushed by leaders like this guy in uh, in virginia who's doing the greenhouse i mean he's he could get a plastic clamshell for you know, by the time he puts the label on it, you know, probably ten or eleven cents. You know, he's paying twice that much for these boxes, but he believes in, you know, what he's doing. He believes that he doesn't want to contribute to landfills. You know, he wants to make a difference, and so he's going to be a leader. But it's at a cost. You know what I mean? It's a dime more for the volumes he's at. Knowing the really high volumes my boxes will totally be almost like within a penny of the, of the clamshells. And it's been very frustrating deal, trying to deal with like doing the cold calls with you know Kroger, um, Walmart, Myers, trying to get to the right people and saying, look, I can be within a penny, you know, and you'll have a totally recyclable, biodegradable, compostable package. And they're like, that's too much. Our customers won't pay that. It's got to be the same. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But are they the ones that pack so, it? Is it Walmart? Or do you need to talk to like the farmers, like that earthbound farms or? Yes, but see, the grocery stores won't give the farmers any more oh. money. In fact, the grocery stores have mandated to like blueberry growers, you know, look, we want this particular package and you're going to do it. And that blueberry grower, I mean, these are big guys. You know, they've had to spend $750,000 on equipment to fill it into these plastic punnets. I'm sure you've seen it with the steel, you know, the, you peel back yeah. the seal. That's supposed to reduce, that's supposed to reduce plastic by 30%. I'm like, mine will reduce plastic by 100% and it's going to cost, you know, the equipment to fold because if you are a big guy, obviously you don't want to hand fold. We have machines that are, you know, very reasonably priced that will fold the, fold the produce containers for, and drop it right into the, the fill line. So this is why I feel um, like so yeah, if listeners will go to their produce people or go to their Walmart and talk to the manager and be like, hey, I will pay a penny more or two pennies more or a right. dollar more if you get me um, right. something, you know, just complain about the plastic. Just go in there and be like, 
I'm exactly want to buy this plastic. They, and, you know, what else can you? And and then, I think that's to me. I always feel like I talk yes. to my audience a lot about like it seems like Congress doesn't listen, but whether Congress is on your side or not on your side, they need to hear from right. their constituents. You know, if they keep going, say, and, I have you know, I people, and I right you know, and saying they want this. That's how you get stuff yes. done, whether they're on your side or against you. Mm -hmm. And I know there are in California some groups that are trying to push for legislation that says um, the, the retailers are going to, in this essence, be responsible for the packaging that they're selling. So they either have to go to the manufacturing people and say, stop doing this or change your packaging because I'm going to get penalized. <laughs> you know, if, if you want me to buy your your tomatoes or whatever, you know, you have to go to a package that's more sustainable. So there are laws that are trying to be put into effect. But to me, I, I'd rather, you know, try to get people on board, just listening to their customers, you know, not having it to be legislated. And, you know, some of the more progressive stores will, you know, and they'll be, they'll lead the way. I'm nodding. Uh, hopefully. I mean, if, 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 it, I mean, it's really awful, but I heard a podcast or not a podcast. It was a, um, it was a video um, presentation or whatever. And one of the guys from Driscoll's strawberries that I'm sure you guys yeah. get there in Montana yeah. too, they're all over just strawberries alone. They package 1.5 billion of those quart containers. And every year those go to landfills, probably, I would say a hundred percent. Cause I don't believe the, <laughs> I don't believe the ones in California are actually being recycled. <clears throat> because of the reasons I said. Yeah. But yeah, 1.5 billion. And that would be if you do the, like I said, I was an engineer. So I was like, what would the volume of that be? Um, if you took 1.5 billion strawberry clamshells, it would fill at least three Super Bowl stadiums every year. That's going into landfills. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So. That's why I made my sustainable produce container. <laughs> my little attempt, and I have to say, I've done this for like, uh, well, two years solid now. And um, I've sold over uh, 1 million to other, other farmers. So one, that's 1 million less <laughs> plastic clamshells. Are Yay. we gonna see you on Shark Tank one of these days? I, you know, they are not really a, um, they're more of a retail end. So I don't know. Um, so they, I was considered for the crates, but I, the margin wasn't enough. <laughs> they, they're, they're very greedy and my margins just weren't enough on the crates. So I only got so far on that, but, but who knows? I mean, I don't know if it'd do any good. Um, Cause again, they're all kind of the reach. They're not really wholesale. They're, you know, they're not that far upstream. They're more at the end. Um, so, but I, I trust that God will open some doors somewhere that'll make a difference and we could we could put a stop to all this crazy trash generating that we're doing and still be able to enjoy you know fresh strawberries so maybe from a greenhouse near you <laughs> so I'll say with less guilt yes <laughs> yes guilt sucks <laughs> let's stop <laughs> Yeah, I know. I quit buying mushrooms because they switched from plastic or from paper cardboard to paper at the at the at the grocery stores. If you go in now, they 
They're no longer little cardboard tills. They're in plastic tills. And the reason they- ones that you can like put in your own container? Right. No, not usually, not at most grocery stores. They're all, they all switched and they did that because of a penny. They could save a penny. So they went from the little cardboard cups to the plastic cups. Because of like the virus, they didn't want people grabbing the- Nope. Raw mushroom. Huh? We still no, have raw mushrooms. Was... Like you can you can buy either way at our store. Oh, that's super expensive. Yeah, but like most. <laughs> yes, and I I do have to say, like mushroom growers, like the gourmet kind of mushroom growers, the guys that are going growing the shiitakes and the oyster and the lion's mane. I mean, they absolutely love these boxes because you know they do. It, especially if they get the reversible ones, they're white on the inside. So they make the color, you know, the color of the mushroom pop more, and then they can stamp their logo and their info on the outside, on the brown side. And it looks really, you know, and homey and natural and professional at the same time. And, and plus it keeps, uh, the mushrooms can't eat their way. They can sometimes eat their way through a paper bag, but they can't they eat their way through paperboard. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, just the, uh, and they could stack them so they don't have to worry about a paper bag, stacking paper bags of mushrooms. So mushrooms and microgreens, maybe that'll change the world slowly. (laughs) And they're both really healthy things for you too. So if there's any farmers out there, gardeners out there that want to garden indoors, I would highly recommend, you know, researching like what you can do with mushrooms and what you can do with microgreens because you can grow them inside. I love microgreens. So, the sunflower one. Aren't they wonderful? I have not yeah. been successful getting them to grow. Oh, they are a little more challenging than like the brassicas, the broccoli and the kale and Oh, really? Um, so I should maybe try some different ones. I tried yeah. peas and sunflowers try and some... both of them failed. Completely. No, those are hard. Oh. And plus you need a lot, of, you you really need, you know, a lighting I setup. did put them under I did, uh, And I have okay, like good, my stepdaughter, I, um, had, she was going to try and start a microgreens business and she came out and got them all started for me. And I just okay. did not, they just both, none of them. Yeah, you got to watch gave me a tray Ooh. of them all grown oh my gosh I loved them and like she gave me like they a big great. tray that I kept in my window so it lasted me like a month but of course like she yeah. probably wants to sell that tray for like $45 and I want to pay like $12 yeah <laughs> for it so <laughs> here I am again another winter without any microgreens any lettuce growing I'm just kind of like <laughs> so I you know I'm back to like trying to buy my own um yeah well they're very they're labor intensive in terms you do have to babysit them a lot you gotta like okay water them in the morning check them in the evening water them again if they need it don't water them too much and then when you're harvesting them they were having was keeping the shells out of like when they were putting them in bags and then yeah Yeah. she burned some and she would like she would give me like her trays that weren't good enough to go to market (laughs) yeah yeah, which is still yeah good that's what i've heard from people that it takes like and i do not have that personality at all anyway and it it, tell us about something that didn't work so well last year besides your weed problem (laughs) (laughs) oh we had a lot of rain yeah well (laughs) last year since i since i bought the stuff for the microgreens i thought well i'll try growing my own plants (laughs) and and um uh, that didn't go so well. I have, like, I get the seed from HPS seeds for the tomatoes, and then I would take them to a greenhouse and they would grow them into baby plants. 
and they do a much better job than I do because they grew half the seed and I grew the other half. And it's probably my half that didn't make it very well through the rain. That we had. So, because we had copious amounts of rain in the spring, it was ridiculous. Um, so that, that didn't, so if you get to the point where you're like, oh yeah, I'll be growing a lot. Um, unless you have your own greenhouse and you're in there all the time, I would highly recommend like getting a greenhouse to grow them for you. <laughs> then to the baby plants. We always start the edamame from seed, but yeah, me growing my baby plants for the tomatoes did not work so well. The greenhouse guys are much better at it. So I'll probably, yeah, yeah. So I'll probably have them do it again just because they have the right temperature. And, you know, I was in the basement and, you know, right humidity and so you get a much healthier plant um from yeah. a greenhouse i mean if you're growing large quantities and i've I just, heard that from several you know with the different growers that i've talked to sometimes it's yeah invest in like yeah, it's just or plants and trying to grow your own from seed right the tomatoes i mean because mine look kind of spindly and i wasn't sure was that because of the lighting was it because of the you know, I, I know I'm sure I use good soil, but did I not use the right amount of fertilizer, you know, that they would have added? So, um, yeah. And, and why do you put your the, tomatoes uh, in the ground in Kentucky? So if I use a low tunnel, like a little mm -hmm. hoop with um, yeah. fabric, um, I can do it as early as April but that's taken, you know, that's a lot of work to uncover it when it gets hot and then cover it back when it's cold. And I, I have to say the, the uh, bigger you can let your tomatoes get, the better before you put them in the ground. Um, and then okay. bury them halfway, bury the plants halfway, because then the bottom part of the plant will become roots. And the other thing that is, that I've learned that's really good too, is to disturb the soil as, least as less as possible as, as yeah don't disturb the soil as much as you can and so we actually just mark out the row and we dig the holes into the soil you know um or if it's if it's too rock hard we'll you know run a rototiller a little bit to break it up but then um we bury the plants halfway up uh so that they have a really good root base and and it's if they're a big plant it doesn't matter because you've got this you know really good sized plant um, and those did the best, they had the best yield because I do them in sections and, you know, I have like four sections of 50 plants and, uh, dang it. If the greenhouse didn't win again this year, <laughs> theirs did the best. And I put them in the earliest because I, uh, with all the rain we had, I, I had to wait till May to plant because we just had so much rain. It was, it was unbelievable, <laughs> but every year is different. <laughs> And then how long are you harvesting from like, if you, if you put them in May, when do you first start to harvest and like, and how long does that last? Like, do you just get one harvest like in August or are you harvesting all Yeah. Summer? So we here in Kentucky, yeah, here in Kentucky, we start seeing fruit. Um, like if I put them in in April, I can sometimes get them as early as mid July. Uh, but we start full production harvesting end of end of July and we'll go good solid production until September. Uh, this year I had 
I had, I was still delivering up until November, <laughs> you know, smaller quantities, but yeah, we had such good weather in the fall. It was awesome in the fall. It was nice and warm um, for a lot of the time. So yeah, it's about July to September. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I know you're in Montana. <laughs> I did see this. I did see this video on this old this old guy that used to be like a postal worker, and he came up with this idea for doing a greenhouse like in the ground, and he was growing oranges in Nebraska. Yeah, there's a guy <laughs> did you hear that? that lives like 50 miles from me that I tried to get to do an interview with me, but he didn't have Zoom, and I couldn't get the Skype to call his number. Okay. But yeah i guess there's several people that are like if they dig it if you dig it under the ground um and then like i was mm -hmm. doing this research yeah. the other day or somebody sent i can't remember how it went but like apparently there's a lot of grants in montana um for geothermal mm. which is where you like dig the pipes deep mm -hmm. down into the ground mm -hmm. um so that's right right you yeah, take advantage to look into but yeah i guess people and like my stepdaughter mm -hmm. last year grew a lemon and an olive tree I mean, they were indoors, but mm. you're just, you know, right in town. Yeah. So I guess people right, are kind right, of, you know, yeah. figuring these things out, but I don't think you can do that on large mm -hmm. scale production. I think, you know, no. for a home gardener, <laughs> well, you know, that's no, what most of my listeners are, you know, your home gardeners um, and right. people that want to maybe, right. you know, at some point go to market or are trying to figure out different things that they could mm -hmm. get involved with. So Mm -hmm. this yeah. is the kind of the part of the show we call getting to the root of things so do you have a least favorite activity to do in the garden something you got to force yourself to get out there and do <laughs> so we um is part of the effort to not use chemicals for weed control or anything like that um we at least with the edamame we would put uh roll we would roll paper out, like I'd get a roll of craft paper and roll it out and then put hay on top of the craft paper. And then that way you not only create um, a weed barrier, you create something that by the end of the summer, it's going to biodegrade, decompose back into the earth. And so it gives you a, kind of a nice compost at the end of the season. And <laughs> I hate to pay for a huge bale of hay. And so I'm always like, telling the farmers around me that yeah if you got some old hay you don't want <laughs> bring it on over and I need about five bales of big round bales and so they're the bales that the, the cows won't eat and sometimes they're kind of dusty and a little moldy and you know so we have to dig through those and you know break those down and use those and that's probably the worst job <laughs> is doing the mulch laying out the so, mulch um, i'm just trying to picture this in my head so then do you like after you get that all laid down then you dig the hole to put the adamame plant in no no so what you do is um you know you do the rototilling to get the earth broke up and then you row the hoe hoe the rows and then you plant the seed and then when the seedlings start coming up they just start popping up then you get the roll of craft paper. I used to use paper bags <laughs> back from the grocery when I first started. Um, but then 
I've found that just buying a roll of craft paper is actually easier. And I used to use newspapers, but nobody reads the paper anymore. Um, so I buy the roll of craft paper and then unroll it. And as we're unrolling it, we put the hay on it to keep it from blowing away. And then that is in between those little baby rows of that amami or whatever you're growing. You, know, you could do it for anything, carrots, broccoli, you know, and then um, that way the hay keeps the paper from blowing away. And and then um, but how wide is the paper? Around the like craft paper, and of course, is it two? It's like two feet, feet wide. It is like it's how wide? Two, two feet. feet wide. So is it two feet in between yeah. your rows? Think, or like yeah, for the edamame, I used to have. I would do two feet between the rows. Um, this these past couple of years, the other thing I've tried, I've tried it both ways, is I've done that for some of the edamame patches. And then um, I've also used an African grass called teff grass. And I've planted that in between the rows of edamame. And then we've mowed it with a real mower because that way the kids won't hurt themselves. <laughs> if I don't give them a real mower, but a real mower, you know, one that, you know, is, doesn't take gas. You know what I mean by a real mower? Like the little blade R -E -E -L. kind of? Yes, yes, a push, push, yeah, push more. So that way, um, yeah, called R-E-E-L. Um, you can get them at Tractor Supply or something for like 90 bucks or 60 bucks or something. And so that worked kind of well because then the teff grass is, it keeps the weeds out. It's not super fast growing and it's, it can be very lush. And then you can just mow it, you know, in those rows and then the grass clippings fall back into the earth to nourish the earth that way with the nitrogen from the, from the grass clippings. And it didn't compete too much with the edamame. Um, but you, uh, you really do have to keep grass. up with mowing it. So the teff grass I got from a seed company. Again, like if you get with a tractor supply place or you know a seed supply mm -hmm. company, they can usually get it. And they can usually get it. It's kind of a, the teff grass is expensive. Um, so what I do, what I've done now, because I used to also put the, the paper and the hay between the tomato plants. But now what I do with the tomato plants is I plant clover in between those rows. I was wondering about that. Um, because those rows are wider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do still use the paper around the plant. Like I'll, we'll dig the holes, we'll put the plant in, and then we'll roll out the paper, cut little, you know, push little holes into the paper and then set it on top of the row and then put hay down again to keep the paper from blowing away. Um, and then that way we have the weeds under control around the tomato plants, you know, down the row of tomato plants. And then we have um, uh, the clover in between. And those are like four and a half feet apart, those rows are. And the clover is nice. All everybody likes the clover better than the hay, the hay in the paper, um, to to walk on and to, you know, just be out in the garden with. And again, you mow that so that you put the put the nitrogen um, from the clippings, you know, back in the ground. And then we use to trellis our tomatoes. Uh, we got some. I got some trellises. Uh, they're cattle. Sorry. I got some cattle panels to use as trellises and they're, they're heavy, but we just use a, um, a T-post 
to hold them up and kind of do a, a bungee cord, not their tractor trailer bungee cords to keep them uh, with the T post so they don't fall over. And then the plants grow up the cattle panel. Golden seeds, so. Linda, you are dropping golden seeds. I know listeners are going to love this. <laughs> and I, I've, I've seen quite a bit of those cattle panels on, on like it seems like on Instagram and places lately. Yeah. I mean, even if you had a small garden, it's not a bad thing to have because, you know, you could, you can, we take it down at the end because we have to take all the plants off the cattle panels and clean them up. I mean, people use strings and, um, they're much you know, these strings to elevate cattle. Yeah. I, the cattle, especially up here on our hill. I mean, while we were talking, I was like, am I going to have to run to the basement? <laughs> you know, are we getting the tornadoes um, here now? Um, it's super windy, windy here and I just, yeah. And so I can't like, I really like the cattle panels cause you know, you put them, you put them in with the T posts and, you know, bungee them, you know, strap them down or strap them to the T-post and they don't go anywhere and your plants grow up on and they hold down, you know, the paper that you put down that you rolled out, you know, to keep do weed control around the plants. And uh, it makes it easier to pick because you can see everything really easily. Because um, it makes it a little harder for the deer because they can't just crash through things. <laughs> yeah, I like to give them a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah we have to have a big strong <laughs> deer fence in montana our problem's been the bears yeah. keep breaking in the last oh wow yeah we did see them yeah that is a problem <laughs> so but uh you know and then the you know you can take the cattle panels and store them somewhere and they're pretty yeah. durable i think i think so. we're gonna see more of those uh so on the flip yeah. side what's your favorite activity to do in the garden harvest <laughs> it's just really fun to be out there and it's sunny and um you can you know <laughs> if you get one that's not perfect you can eat it <laughs> how do you harvest just having, so with edamame um there's two ways you can do it you can pick it off the plant if the whole plant is not ready to harvest um that way you can kind of get two pickings out of one section of plants um and you just go out with a little little block of wood or something to sit on or one of those little step things and sit on that with your little basket or your crespy crate and you just drop the pick pull the beans off the plants and drop them in and um, then uh, you can also if your plants are all ready at the same time like everything you know all the beans are filled out you can just cut the plant and then just pull it off you know take it back to the house where it's cooler and just pull the pull the pods off that way. We have we have videos on our website on how we did it, um, and on the Sun Sugar Farms website, um, you can just go to the shop edibles and um, fresh edamame if anybody's interested in growing it, and um, just click click on there. There's videos on how to cook it, how we grow it, and challenges. So Linda, what's <laughs> the best gardening advice you've ever received? Well, let's see. I I would have to. I mean, I really like all the, you know, all the good organic advice as far as like, I and I'm not sure where I got those ideas from, but you know, like using cardboard for weed control and or paper. 
you know, because it biodegrades and and helps helps the earth in the long run. Um, I, I would say those are the best. I like that pieces of advice. A lot. Yeah, that have picked up. You know, because you've got cardboard. I mean, if you save all the cardboard you get, I mean, it's if you especially if you don't have recycling, have, you know, ordering from Prime, ordering online. Yeah, I mean, how many boxes can you keep in your basement or your closet? You know, to like just break them down and use them in the garden mm-hmm. next year. You know, um, and they're going to keep your weeds down. They're going to be easy to walk on. I mean, you may have to get some bales of hay to kind of spread over them to keep them from blowing away. Um, but that's all going to create a really nice, a nice uh, thing to walk on or to put it around your plants. And they you know, like, and I put up and a then fence. It decomposes into the soil. Exactly. And I put up a fence around the whole garden. And what I do there is I use cardboard under the fence. So all the cardboard I save, um, I put a strip of it down and then we put the fence, you know, we put this little temporary fence up um, and that way it keeps the weeds down on either side of the fence because it's the other thing that drives me crazy. Well, I hate weeds. I really do. But this last year they won in certain areas. They won in the pumpkins. That's a great idea though. I would so. never, I wouldn't, I have never thought of doing that. I don't think anybody's recommended that before. And that might also help keep like some small critters out. Like rabbits. Yes. Well, when I, <laughs> so with the, like with the edamame along the bottom of his fence that he buries like in the ground. But... To keep the moles and stuff out. Yeah. So what I've done in the past because the the edamame really is like crack cocaine they will not stop to get it so what i've found it worked the best was a first a a kind of a chick um a rabbit fence so i put a rabbit fence in that has you know lower lower Uh lower lower grades grids uh or tighter grids at the bottom and higher grids at the top and then I, I install that with uh, fiberglass rods. And then at the top of the fiberglass rods, I put electric. So I'll run electric at the top. Oh. And then, um, and then, then I have the, the rabbit or the, yeah, the rabbit fence as the fence. But then I also put up a C panel or a C fence. And so this was done with chicken wire and I attached it to the rabbit panel. And the reason I call it a C is if you look at, look down the side of the fence, you bury part, you don't bury, but you, you make sure that the, uh, the bottom of the chicken wire is on the ground or in the ground. You could you know, cover it with dirt a little bit too. And then it's, it comes up the rabbit fence and then it hangs down off the top, creating like the C looking thing if you look down the fence. And what that does is if you have gophers that have been scaling your fence and have been ignoring the electric, <laughs> when they try to climb up the sea, it drops down. You know, the top of the sea kind of it makes them hang there and they can't get over the fence because I had gophers that were going over the electric fence. They didn't even care. And then, um, then I would also run uh, for the deer because they could kind of hop that. I would also put in like bamboo, six foot, six or seven foot bamboo rods and then run electric wire or just wire um uh three two layers of two strands of wire between those but that's edamame you know that is what i had to do to keep them out of the edamame was that contraption of fence yeah it was crazy so i'm really i'm really looking at not growing 
as much maybe like just a little patch for myself because edamame is so common now that it's hard to get the prices for it's hard to get the price to justify what it takes us to grow it so whereas the tomatoes are more you know they're still unique um because that's how you get into the store i'm not sure if i answered that question as well as i could have um i had a unique offering which was edamame and that's how i got into kroger so if there's an up-and-coming fruit or vegetable and you're getting good at growing it, that's how you could get into a grocery store was by having that. So, but like microgreens, you know, that's kind of up-and-coming or mushrooms. Yeah, for sure. My listeners have asked, I've been trying to get somebody to come on. I actually got somebody to come on and talk about mushrooms and I had never hit record. And I lost the whole issue. And I'm Aww. just like, I'm still, they said they're going to come back on January. It was like nightmare of nightmares. Anyway, but yeah, mushrooms oh, are bet. something my listeners are interested in. And I'm kind of getting more interested in growing them because like the more I go to farmer's markets, the more you see people and it looks kind of cool. Like at first my husband was like, you should learn how to grow mushrooms. It's like right up your alley. And I was like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like, but now after seeing some mushroom farmers, like I'm kind of more interested in it. Anyway, Linda, what's your favorite very, tool? It's very if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? I would take my walk behind tractor. <laughs> I know it's not it's not a tool tool. Oh, but, yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. My I is went B- through BCS? a couple of rototillers. BCS, yes. It's a BCS. And the reason I like it is because we are on a hill. And when I would get to the end of a row and try to turn the rototiller and it'd be angled and the wheel would fall off and, you know, it just, and the only thing it could do was rototilling. Whereas now I did, I dropped the five grand on a BCS tractor, but that's a lot less than, or maybe it's three, maybe it's three. It would have, it was only three. It would have been five grand to get a hay baler (laughs) because they have attachments. Um, to the bcs tractors and so um i got the tractor i got the rototiller attachment and i got the bush hog attachment and that thing is a beast so now if weeds get out of control i bush hog it i brush hog some people call it brush hog they it's it, it just cuts down everything in its path um and that's an attachment you can get for the bcs tractor so I wouldn't I wouldn't go anywhere with my BTS tractor because our as as well as I've been developing the soil, it still gets it can still get super dry and super hard and because it's clay. You know, we have a lot of clay here. And so the tractor is just awesome to be able to break things up and and then like I said, the well, that's how I I got rid of all when the sunflowers were ready to be taken down and I just went out there with my attachment for the brush hogging and um, bushwhacked it all down. <laughs> so I don't know what I would have yeah, done. Yeah, it is that. not easy. Those it things are like, they can be tough to get out of the ground for sure. Yeah. I have not talked to anybody yeah, so those who didn't talk about it as like their favorite for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just really solid and um you know, like I said, it's very versatile and, you know, I, I don't know. 
I love it. How about your favorite recipe? Big tool. Is there something that you really like to cook or eat from the garden? I'm so curious, being a, not a vegetable fan, what you're gonna say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, in terms of like what I like to cook from the garden, I love, uh, and it's on my website too, uh, and it's on the tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. So I make, I take the edamame, I cook it and shell it. And then I take Wait a minute. the sun you sugars. You shell it after you cook it or you shell it first? No, you shell it after you and cook it. You it's it? really, really rock hard. Edamame, yeah, you boil it or you can steam it or you can microwave it. So all on my website, how to do it. <laughs> so sun sugar dot, sun, sorry, um, sunsugarfarms.com. So, um, but yeah, it's all... Um, if you go to the sun sugar page, uh, there's the recipe for what I call a sun sugar edamame Mediterranean salad. And it's um, the sun sugars, the edamame, after you've cooked and shelled it, uh, roasted garlic, feta cheese, fresh basil from the garden, and then extra virgin olive oil. So, and you can actually get the feta cheese in olive oil at some like grocery salad bars um so that saves time and it's usually more flavorful anyway and man i could just eat that all day i you know i mean i eat the sun sugars like candy but i guess if you're asking for a recipe um i really like that because it's uh it's um so it's just got a lot of flavor and goes great with chips or um you know pita type bread and then there's also in case you have green cherry tomatoes left after like you don't they you don't have enough time to harvest them before everything gets cold and you know you're gonna have a frost i found a uh it's a paladine recipe that i adapted uh but it's uh green sun sugar cherry tomato cake and it's actually pretty good it tastes better than like uh, banana bread kind of thing so it's, um got raisins and walnuts in it cream cheese icing so so there's my desserts <laughs> It's healthy though because it's got tomatoes. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but those are both on my on my website under the Sun Sugar Cherry Tomatoes page. So yeah, and they're really really good for you and uh, fun to eat and fun to make and cute, good good for taking to a party in the summer. How about a favorite <laughs> internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web? Um, I think I like YouTube the best just because I'm visual and I like videos. Um, and so, and you know, that way you can listen to it if you don't have time to read something. Um, you, like the farmer's almanac is also really good because I do try to plant by the moon. And um, there was when I was trying to find out more about you. microgreens, I found okay um it's a pain sometimes it's just like it's perfectly sunny day but it says it's barren <laughs> don't put anything around it die. but uh, like when i was looking for microgreens i found um on the grow uh is a video channel video or a microgreens company and they they did some really great videos um watch some videos um nate brown um on his methods out there in your area in north I think dakota, he's out I think. in nebraska or south dakota north dakota yes even worse <laughs> yeah yeah nate brown i watched some of his or maybe uh, videos Gabe brown um i wonder if they're related 
Gabe, sorry. Oh, Gabe. You're right. No, no. It's Gabe. Gabe, yes. Gabe. I didn't have that handy. Um, yeah, Gabe Brown and uh, his regenerating oh my landscape gosh, ideas. Amazing and then he's got going. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's funny because all the things he's doing now are because of all the bad things that happened right. to him. And sure. so it's a really strong argument for taking the negatives in your life and treating them as potential positives <laughs> you know because he wouldn't have he wouldn't have let the fields go <laughs> if he hadn't ran out of money and couldn't afford fertilizer or, or chemicals or pesticides <laughs> so yeah and I think I I definitely did not want to move to Kentucky um because I we had been living in Arizona uh, sorry not Arizona Alabama and um growing up in Pennsylvania I'm like I hate cold and I'm like this is the farthest north I'll go and it was just a really hard transition, but, you know, in the end, it's like, I never would have started growing a garden. and I would have, you know, just been carrying on my life in the suburbs in, <laughs> in Alabama. And, uh, you know, so you got to believe it's, it's all for good. It all ends up, it's all good. So. Well, that's awesome to hear. You're so inspiring. I know listeners are going to love this interview, but we got to get it done because we've been on the phone almost two hours. Um, Oh, sorry. What's your favorite <laughs> because I was material? Late. Like, do you have a book or a magazine or anything you want to recommend? Um, I mean, there's so many books that I've I've read. It'd be hard to, you know, just um, pick one. You know, I, um, well, let's promote your book. The good. I mean, was a good. Oh, garden, I garden buddies. <laughs> Yeah, I read my book all the time. Um, <laughs> actually, I did learn a lot writing a book because um, I've always, even though I went into engineering, um, so then knew I'd have a job when I got out of college, I always had a gift for art. Um, and so I just uh, felt like the need to draw and um, create something. And so um, somebody suggested something about the garden. And so I thought, well, that's cool. And so I wrote uh, the Garden Buddies book so that kids can see uh, different little creatures, bugs and bees and things like that, that help in the garden and not to be afraid of them or kill them. Um, you know, and that's- But uh, I don't think you have to be a kid to like that them. book because like that's something we talk about in my <laughs> show a lot of the time, like how to know the difference between beneficials and, you know, pests. And I think your book, like yeah. just from what little I've seen of it, not only that, but it has like this little rhyming scheme. It's going to help you remember it better and just um, with the yeah. pictures and, you there's, know, that whole thing. Like I yeah. remember petting her sister last summer, we were doing this um, YouTube grow live thing and she had a photo of the wasps on the, I don't remember if it was, a, it was on something and she was talking about, don't yeah. get that out of you. That's the, you know, the wasp working. Right the bracketed yeah the bracketed um, wasp don't don't and just like yeah. that visual is worth like a, a you know a thousand words or whatever they say like being able to see that and that's so important and you know people yeah ask, what do i do to get rid of hormones well if you can bring in some yeah you know get some of these what you pollinators bracketed or you know yeah. lure them in and then you know let them do their right. job um that's going to be mm -hmm. your best um, thing. Cause that's the number one question I get is, you know, if I'm going to go organic, I'm worried about pests, you know, decimating my crops and, right. you know, organic is too hard because right. you have all these pests and diseases and, you know, 
Um, right. These are some of the great solutions. So I love your garden buddy. And then also because I am a teacher, I'm in tons of Facebook groups with other teachers. And there's always teachers in the spring mm-hmm. saying, you know, what can I do to engage my kids in the garden? What yeah. can I do? You know, and so this is a great book for them. Yeah. And actually, if, if there are, you know, teachers that wanted to get, you know, more of a quantity, um, I do sell wholesale too. So they should just contact me directly and, um, you know, get a, get it to them for a really affordable awesome. price. Because um, I, I self-published, you know, and so if I, if I'm selling a lot of them and I can at least make what I've, what it costs me to get them printed, then I'm happy. So <laughs> where are you getting them printed? You know, like, but it, is it on Amazon? Did you go through Kindle? No, PDF? no, no, it was a, it was a, a company called out of Michigan. Oh, and that seed company, by the way, was out of Wisconsin. Uh, the t- HPS uh, was out of Wisconsin, but the, um, I think it was, I think it's called TPS Total Printing Solutions. I believe they're out of Michigan. Um, and they had a really good price for, uh, you want to print so many to get a good price. And they they had the best price and the best uh, uh, ter- service. So they were really good. Yeah. They're, oh, they're in Illinois. They're in Illinois. But you don't want to do like mm-hmm. on demand where people can, I, and I know with Kindle, like, because the one book that my husband and I wrote, that's what we did. So people can just, you know, you don't have to buy any of it. You know, there's no cost to it. But I have not oh, had yeah. good luck with like the children's book samples that I've sent to them. And also they don't stay horizontal, yeah. which drives me crazy. And I can't seem to like, remember that yeah. when I'm doing the paintings to make the paintings vertical. But um, Okay. yeah and then I and then I finally like was like oh well if I do it so you know the painting's like a double like takes two pages to do the spread so then like the horizontal painting will fill up two vertical size but this the quality is just not there for children's books but, mm-hmm. um cool well good yeah. to know uh okay oh I did think of one other thing for the um um, if you wanted to drop this back into the uh, what what didn't work okay, this cool. year, um, and I'll, I'll kind of start. Um, another thing that didn't work, if I can add, and maybe somebody else would have figured out a better way to use this, but I tried netting this year to put over the edamame section to see if that could keep the deer out. Absolutely didn't work at all. <laughs> they just stomped on it and kind of got caught in it and tangled up <laughs> and tore it. And then birds got caught in it. That was awful. So netting was horrible. So my hat's off to any people growing blueberries or raspberries, and you're trying to keep things out of those things and you're you're using netting somehow successfully. Good for you. But it netting was not did not work at all for me for my edamame. That's good to know. I know. It was sad. I hated it. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess you got to use it for like, like when you go pick blueberries, sometimes they'll, their whole thing is involved, it's shrouded in netting. Yeah. I'm like, how do you keep birds out? I don't know, but it was something I tried just to see if that would like keep the deer from going, oh, I can eat the edamame. No, I can't because it's got netting all over it, you know? Like it was kind of stretched out over the rows. Yeah, they just stomped into it anyway. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the only thing that's worked with us yeah, yeah. keeping the deer out is a strong fence. Mike's got a fence, really, a really high, strong fence. Fence yeah. with like a bar yep. across the top, and then, like I said, the board that's like kind of buried along the bottom. And okay, 
it sounds kind of permanent too. Oh, yeah. See mine, I, I take everything down because I, you know, get in there with my walk behind tractor going and, and plus I rotate the crops too. So one year it's going to be tomatoes here and then edamame over there because edamames are good. They're, you want the legumes, you know, as part of your soil care. <laughs> so um, yeah, but you don't want everything. You don't want to grow the same thing in the same spot each year. So so yeah, so I take all the fencing down <laughs> and try again the next year to keep the dang deer out. So <laughs> yeah, our fencing Mike put in, I think in 2005. And then he just, what he does is he just tries to expand it. I mean, some things like, you know, have to be replaced, but for the most part, no, it's pretty permanent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. With me, I can't, you know, just because of the situation, but yeah I, if that sounds like a great idea for anybody who's like this is my garden I just this can't is where even it's going to be and I don't want the deer down, especially on an acre because like his little mini farm is a tenth of an acre and then he has a huge we have like 260 mm -hmm. feet of fence around the house which is kind of where the orchard and the garden beds and things mm -hmm. are but, um mm -hmm. yeah no once it's in anyway Linda <laughs> ready for my final okay. question <gasps> Jackie, go if for one it. One change you'd like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Was that one of the questions you sent me? <laughs> it should be at the bottom of the page. It should be number 15. Business advice? Yeah, right after the business advice. Oh. Oh, yeah. But you can talk about your <laughs> when container I got your thing, I was and the plastic. No, no, I, no. What I no. You would say. <laughs> because I, yes, if I can do that, like edit all this part out. But when I got your, when I got your thing, I was on vacation. So I did all this on the phone, in the plane, I'm like answering the questions. And then I'd get to the point where I'd be like, okay, phone's off or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, I can't, you know, I can't get that 15th question. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, so, don't have it. so, okay. So ignore all that or edit all that out. Sorry. Um, so yes, I will, if it's okay, I will answer the question with my containers. If that that's okay. Totally awesome. Because what you're doing is awesome. Okay. That's why I reached out to you. Okay. All right, cool. I didn't want it to sound like self-centering or whatever, but um, okay. So you just asked the question and my answer is, <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound too self-serving. Um, I know there are tons of things and great organizations out there that are, that are doing wonderful things to change the world and make it a better, more environmentally friendly place. But I guess to me, if there were big growers out there or big grocery stores that are serious about zero waste, I would hope that they would use my sustainable produce containers for their produce. So, because that's an easy thing and it really won't cost them much more at all <laughs> in their volumes. So that's, that's what I hope for. Me too. I totally do. I want to be able to buy them at Thank my you. local store. I want to be able to use them if we ever go to market or like just for like, even for yep. what we harvest, like um, it'd be yeah. cool if we could buy because like, you know, it's like, what do we keep our stuff in at our house? I just finally started buying those like um, 
like when you go to the produce department instead of having to take the plastic bags but let us in like i bought the cloth bags mm-hmm. just even but yeah, yeah. anyway i love mm-hmm. the cardboard containers and i just think that these Thank are a, a solution that i've heard people talking about and i love that i found it in the uh, market gardeners success group or whatever it's called that because other farmers are using yeah. and they're liking them and they're having success and i just think this is what we need and so i'm so glad you answered this question it was so fun Thank getting you. to talk to you i feel like you're like um, what did I then come up with a GFF, a garden friend forever. And just, I hope we get to meet person someday. And <laughs> my listeners yes. are going to love this as much as I did and everything you're doing and they will yeah. try to support you. And hopefully we can get some of these bigger grocery chains to say, yes, we will pay the people who supply us to pay the little bit extra we can have change. Yeah. Like, I think what you were talking about with the California thing is like, are they making it like, it used to be like Budweiser used to have to like, they would take the bottles back like the empty bottles. And that's like what I think we need yeah. to do. see these companies right. that are like mm-hmm. putting all this single use plastic out. Well, if you're going to put it out, then you need to be responsible for taking right. it back. And that's the kind of exactly. regulation that we need to get. But right. in the meantime, you know, nothing's better than consumer purchasing yeah. power. <laughs> and listeners, you have more purchasing right. power than you think. And so if you ask your supermarket to look for these things and people that are, um, you maybe like, like, you probably know, you probably have a list of farmers that are buying from you like do you promote them on your website like is there a way like people can yes. go to your website and be like oh look this person's selling this in my area i can go to this farm you know i'm constantly getting new farmers on board um but that might be a, a cool thing to do um you know to just start a list of the are you on the social thousands are of you farmers on, like, instagram and stuff like can people follow you yes yes oh yeah well tell I'm people totally let's go through your website and tell I, people how they connect with you and where they can find you and how they can share okay that so the yes so the easiest thing to do would be to go to the sun sugar farms website and it will come up crespycrate.com because that's the collapsible grocery shopping crates I created to replace plastic bags. Um, so that's um, the main website. And if you go to the bottom of and you can go across and you can see the under special pricing, there's a sustainable produce container. And then if you want the edamame or the cherry tomato recipes, go under shop edibles. Um, then if you go down to the bottom, there's all the links to my Facebook page, my YouTube page, my Instagram page, um, at the bottom, there's a little blog, but, um, yeah, so that would probably be the easiest. I do also have a, a a website, sustainableproducecontainer.com, which is just the containers, um, too, that people could go to, but, uh, the Sun Sugar Farms is the main website. I'm trying to find the links to, oh, there it is. Oh my gosh, Jess. <laughs> it's because they're in full color. I didn't see them. Uh, so it's Instagram, <laughs> Sun Sugar Farms. No, it's not. That link's not working. <laughs> you might as check oh, into that. Oh, yeah. I'll fix that right now. No, I'll fix that right now. I just ch- checked it myself. Okay. 
but it should be Instagram. Um, I think if we just go, oh, because it needs the, yeah, I'll fix that, don't worry again. about that. I know, I just took that off and it didn't change it. Um, hmm, yeah, let, I'll, I'll work on that, that's easy. I'm the website designer, so oh I can. Gosh, you, everything. <laughs> I didn't know it broke didn't know it broke um yeah <laughs> so it's just sun sugar yeah. farms. It, delete all this yeah it should be sun sugar farms um, oh my gosh i just love I'm, those boxes they're so pretty with the little flower cutouts and everything <laughs> and just, i just think it makes the food look better like that your packaging makes me want to buy the food that's inside of it so much more than the little plastic treat next to it like i just think it makes it look pretty like it's a bakery item or it's just gonna be like yeah a little sunshine thing there like it's it's just they just i love it yeah i me too <laughs> i agree oh, and the cute um, little blueberry yeah, packets so. and the microgreens i'm looking at your instagram right now all right listeners instagram.com sun sugar farms thank you so much linda for sharing with us today and um <laughs> you're I will welcome Thank you for having oh, thank me. You. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate what you're doing and how you're trying to make the world a better place in terms of people eating better and feeling better and getting outside and enjoying life. So good yeah, job, Jackie. Yeah, thank you. Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden podcast. It helps for thing, pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.